Welcome in season long fantasy golf rankings debate. That could be, that might be the first time that's ever been said. I'm Rick Gaiman, uh, Andy Lack here. Andy, uh, I cannot imagine there is a ton of season long fantasy golf ranking debates happening right now. Well, that's what we're here for. Yeah. We have been diving into this head first. I've been posting my ranking rankings every week on Rick run good. And we're kind of getting down into crunch time here with like the top 40. So I'm pumped to talk about what do we got already? Like we're going to talk through 100 through 50 today. 100 through, I think technically 41 Perfect. Uh, is where we'll go. So where, where we're at, uh, mm-hmm. season long fantasy drafts are, uh, they are happening. I've completed a bunch. I know that uh, yesterday, which was Monday the 19th, there are a bunch more started. So this should be very handy because there's going to be more drafts and people are trying to figure out where in the world they're going to rank these guys. Uh, If you want to get involved, there's a link in the description. You can go to the spreadsheet. You can see all the leagues that are available. You can choose the ones that are that are best for you and you can get involved. Andy, I've been ironing out, you know, all the little wrinkles. I, I think I've, I think I've got it figured out at this point. It's pretty easy. You just sign up for the league that you want, pay for it, and ideally it will run very smoothly. And you've been doing some – so how many drafts have you done already? I have done 12. Okay. Yes. Um, Give me – because since because I haven't been really drafting. I've been diving headfirst into the rankings, but I've been so focused on the rankings. I haven't done a ton of drafting myself – what have been kind of like the biggest surprises to you in your drafts? Is there any player that's like, whoa, this guy's going way earlier than I expected or vice versa? Yeah, I think I think just in general, um, the the nature of these being all over the place, like just all over the place is is interesting, right? And it's always a little bit shocking when um, I'm trying to think what a good example would be when like. Sahith goes sixth overall because that person has decided that this is a volume game, right? Or when, um, like Tony Finau dropping out of the top 10 in some scenarios or where Tom Kim, Tom Kim could might go eighth overall and he might go 28th overall, depending on what draft you're in. So there's just, there's just a couple of spots in every single draft where I'm like, Whoa, I, I didn't have it like that, but I could be wrong. Does the, so we're recording this on Tuesday morning on the 20th. Do you think that, and it's just been released this morning that, um, live players are going to be able to compete in the masters. Does that, do you think that changes anything for you based on where they would have been drafted with the new news? So it shouldn't because this, this is kind of what we expected, right? We, we expected, uh, that the majors were not really going to do anything. And if you have, qualified via their qualification processes, uh, you are going to get in. So no, it it really hasn't changed any way I've treated those guys because the announcement this morning is exactly what I expected it to be. I agree. I don't think so either. And we can, we can start talking about it, but I have, I, I think there's like five live players that are draftable. And I think that all of them, probably are going to be guys that you're going to want to pick off at the very end of the draft. Have you been noticing that are live guys getting drafted at the end or some drafts not having them at all? Yeah. So um, the first couple of drafts, I was able to get Cam Smith in like the 12th round or in the 11th yeah. round. Now you'll see, and we'll get to this in just a second. Um, like you might see like DJ or Cam Smith going like the eighth round. You you might see like okay. a little, like a little grab. We'll, we'll talk about that. I'll pull up 
your rankings and all that stuff. But let me do one more announcement before we dive into this. Uh, the run and done, Andy. It's live for next year. It's ready to go. It's invite yeah. only. It's $100,000 guaranteed. 15000 for first, 10000 for second. Single entry. 100 bucks. Everybody's on the same playing field. We need 1,100 people. We've got 200 people in it right now. Uh, and we got to fill this thing ASAP. Uh, I will absolutely be in there. I'm just glad I get a second chance from the fall swing one because that was a just absolute unmitigated disaster for me. But yeah, I'm excited for, um, I love one and done. And I think that, you know, fantasy golf is going to scratch a lot of that itch for us, but I'm still excited for a good old fashioned one and done as well. Yeah. And I moved it to fantasy golf championships so that the, Oh, payment, nice. Yeah. The payment processor is all in the same spot before we were doing like, you know, you paid over here and you put your picks in over there and it just, it became very confusing and a lot of manual work. So now this is all regulated. It is live, you know, live standings. It's going to send you a text message. If you don't have your pick in like all, all that stuff and you don't have to pay in one spot and go put your picks in, in the other. And the uh, payout structure is like, it's pretty flat down Very the board, flat. right? Yeah, like you're was, getting, yeah, yeah, that was my request here. So this is basically uh top 15% or so 165 out of 1100 get paid. And then, yeah. So 15,000 at fir for first 10,000 for second, 7,500 for third. It's a pretty flat payout structure. Okay. I really, I like that. That's exciting. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. Link in the description. Go get involved. It will fill. It'll fill quickly. Uh, there are still spots available right now, but once we get through the holidays, I think it's going to go bangers. Okay. You have been releasing uh, on rickrungood.com your rankings, and they are not just a list of names, Andy. No, no, no. <laughs> no they're not. <laughs> they, they are uh, strokes gain metrics, money list rankings, uh, the good and the bad for every single golfer. The, these are not uh, just click on ESPN.com. Sorry, ESPN, throw you under the bus and see a <laughs> list of names. These these are in-depth articles. Well, I want people to be able to make their own decisions, right? My, my job is not to tell you who to draft. My job is to say, hey, let me weigh out the case for every single one of these guys. This is our first year ever doing this, right? So I'm not sitting here telling you guys I have the answer guide. This is what I would do. This is the big board that I would follow, but I want to lay out some of the concerns. Like one thing that was really important for me to lay out is like, Hey, I'm going to tell you guys everything that this guy did last season. How many times did he played? How many times did he play on the PGA tour versus how many times did right. he play on the European tour where it doesn't really count for us? What are his strengths as a golfer? Is he qualified for the majors next year? Right? Like these are all things that need to be part of your decision-making process. So I hope you check them out because I've put a lot of effort into them. So if you're drafting, yeah, rickrungood.com, I think all the way up and through 40 is posted right now. It is. So let's start with 100 to 81. And those five golfers from live that you mentioned were draftable are all here. Andy. Right. And it's, it's Bryson, it's Brooks, it's uh Joaquin Neiman, it's DJ, it's Cam Smith. And uh, this is basically where I have them too. You know, looking at my ranks, I actually only had three live guys, Neiman Smith and DJ as kind of draftable. I think maybe, I probably, if I was going to do it again, or if I was going to evolve these, I'd probably get Bryson in there as well. Um, but th this is kind of your opportunity to take those guys and know, or at least assume for four tournaments, for four tournaments a year, 
you're going to have surefire starters because the rest of these guys in this range are not necessarily surefire starters. Right. A hundred percent. And that's, that's the thing about drafting too, is you need to weigh the risk and reward of each type of players and consider like what you already have going on in your draft. Like the way that I'm, and you've probably, you're probably in better touch with this because you've already done a bunch of mock drafts. But in my opinion, I'm looking to weigh the risk and reward and kind of pick my spots, right, Rick? So for example, like if I find myself in a situation where I'm in the final round of my draft and I already decided that I was going to take I don't know, Chris Goddard up in the 11th round, which is a risk, right? Because he's an extremely talented player that played great when he started last year, but you're still banking on sponsors exemptions and hoping he gets to what? I don't know, eight to 10 starts, right? So if I already have that guy on my roster, am I going to take David Lepsky or Brooks Kepka in the final round? Well, maybe I'll say, you know what? I already am incurring some risk with a guy like Chris Goddard up. Let me go the safer route and take a guy like David Lipsky, who I at least know is going to play 15 to 20 times on the PGA Tour. So a lot of it is kind of like a case-by-case basis where I would say, like, you have this nice kind of mix of rankings where you can say, all right, you know what? I'm going to take Kevin Streelman here, and then I'm going to pair Kevin Streelman with Bryson DeChambeau, or, you know, I'm going to take... Tom Hoagie here and I'm going to play it safe, right? Like you have these options and I think you should kind of make your draft choices based on a case by case basis. So kind of, I'm looking at the live players and thinking about who I already have drafted, if that makes sense. Uh, So I just picked a random draft that I have completed. This is a $150 league. And it's funny you mentioned Chris Goddard up because I took him uh, with the last pick in the entire draft, the twelfth, the twelfth round, I took DJ in the eleventh. Joaquin Neiman and Cam Smith were the only other two live players that went here. There was no Bryson, there was no Brooks. They went undrafted, which uh, put a pin in that for a second. But look at the other names here: uh, Thomas Peter, Callum Taren, Brendan Todd, Ben Taylor, Justin Lauer, Chris Kirk. Those are guys that are going in the final two rounds, and. The way that I feel about it is, you know, the spots that we're talking about today, 100 through 41, it's going to be a lot of churn, right? Those yeah. are your guys that you're going to need to start for some 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 off weeks where the fields are weaker, but as we get those stronger events, the elevated events and there's more of them than ever, like those are your churn spots. These aren't guys that you draft in the 12th round and expect them to stay on your roster all year all year. Right. Um and I mean looking at this big board right now, like there are a lot of this looks pretty similar to the guys that I have earmarked. I want to ask you too, is there anybody in, is there anybody in like round seven through 10 where you're like, okay, I need to have this guy. Um, so I've been quite high on Hayden Buckley. Yeah. And me too. once me too. he gets to like that, I I've honestly probably drafted him higher than, than I should to ensure that I, that I get him. But once he starts getting into like, yeah, like seven and eight, I'm like, Oh my God, like I absolutely have to take this guy. Um, we'll talk about Webb Simpson at, at, at some point, but he, I think he's kind of an interesting name, Andy, because they're like, I, I, you have him in this 100 to 81 as well. Like what if he wins twice? Would you be surprised? Would you be surprised if Webb won twice at at two Webb stops, or would you be surprised if he just had the worst year of his career? I would not be surprised in either case, and that's kind of one of the things that I talked about with Webb, right? Is like 
let's talk about the courses that you feel good about starting these guys. So one thing that I thought about a lot is, and Rick run good has like a great tool. If you just click on the courses there, yeah. I've used that tool a lot to help me where you can basically see like, okay, what are the courses on the current 2022 schedule? What spots have these players performed at? What are the types of spots where you're going to feel good about rolling these out? And you look at a guy like Webb Simpson and there's what five, six courses where he's gained over a stroke per round, right? Like regardless of form, there are six to eight spots on the schedule where you can kind of blindly plug Webb in and at least feel okay about it. So that was another factor that I looked about. And that's probably the biggest reason why I do have Webb on my board, because think about it. Webb's probably still going to roll. Even if Webb has missed like, seven cuts in a row, he's probably going to still roll into the Wyndham and be under 50 to one, right? Right, for sure. And uh, I want to circle back to the one item that I was thinking about. So that draft that I did, the 150, where Brooks and Bryson were not drafted. So they are now free agents, right? Now, how early... Uh, and we are, we are well into this. I know you haven't done a ton of drafts yet, and this is now into like setting lineups and waiver wire stuff, but there, you, you can't wait until the week before the masters to grab Brooks and Bryson there. You're going to have to go get them and, and waste a roster spot on them for a couple of weeks. If you want to run them out at the masters. Right. You're going to have to play it a little bit early, right? Like you're not going to, you're not going to be sitting around on masters Monday and saying, Oh, I can just pick up. Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau. Now, the thing that you're going to have to weigh is those beginning starts of the year, right, Rick? Like, hopefully, you're already not in a position right off the bat where you need to pick somebody up for the Sony Open, right? Like, the Tournament of Champions, that's actually going to be a really interesting one, right, Rick? Because that's, a, or we're not starting with that. Thank God. No, we're right? starting with Sony. Yeah. I was going to say, because that's a tournament with 30 guys in it. Yeah. You would, we people. wouldn't even be able to have everybody with, with six guys starting, I don't think. Yeah. Right. Right. So hopefully you're in a position where your team immediately right off the bat has six guys playing in the Sony open and you're not having to do a bunch of adding and dropping at the beginning. Um, is it a, are we doing, I jog my memory for our league. Is it like, um, auction style on the waiver wire or it's just a pure waivers. I believe we just did the purest form of waiver priority worst team has priority first no i like that i I personally prefer that i know some people that like the auction thing and the auction thing is kind of cool and i'm sure we'll experiment years down the road with different leagues but yeah i think that's another thing that you have to weigh like i haven't had the opportunity yet to like kind of draft and look at my teams on paper are you finding rick after your drafts when you look at your teams that it's like, oh, wow, this is a squad that I could probably roll out for like the next couple of months without having to worry too much about having to pick some guys up. Or are you kind of looking at it and are like, oh, man, like, uh, I don't know if Andrew Putnam's going to play this event. Maybe I need to pick up somebody quicker than I thought. Uh, more so on the former, you know, I don't, I obviously have no idea, no way to know what everyone's schedule ends up being, but I think I did do a decent job of getting guys that are going to, you know, roll out at Tory and roll for a while. And then I got a bunch of like high volume guys. And I I don't think I'm going to be doing a ton of churning early. And then once we kind of get into the swing of things, see where everybody's at, because remember it's a whole new schedule this year and where these guys are going to play. So there's a lot of just guessing. So I'm 
I'm kind of comfortable with what I've done. Yeah. And again, like we don't know. I saw a report this morning. Um, I think it was from Doug Ferguson of the Associated Press where he was like, John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Tom Kim are all playing in the Amex in Palm Springs, which is like a non-elevated event on the schedule. So you just really never know. And I think the way that it is structured with the elevated events, um, it's going to create kind of like an interesting juxtaposition trying to figure out how beefy these guys' schedules are going to be and what the spots they're going to roll them out with. And I think you're going to have some interesting opportunities on kind of some of those down weeks, you know, those John Deere weeks, because if you're playing a matchup against someone, Rick, and, you know, say the first time we play against each other, it's Masters week. And the second time we play against each other, it's John Deere week. And we're probably trotting out two completely different lineups for those, but that win loss counts the same, right? Correct. Yeah, that that's that's kind of the ebbs the ebbs and flows of this. That's that's exactly right. They're going to count the same. Okay, um, let's continue on here. We're going to get to eighty to sixty one, kind of the the next tier of golfer. We're going to reset for a second, and we're going to hear a quick word about Andy's podcast. Andy Lack is one of the nerdiest golf guys that I know, and I mean that as an absolute compliment. His knowledge of course architecture allows him to create some of the most actionable course previews available, and he offers up pure expertise on his own podcast, The Inside Golf Podcast. Twice a week, he offers course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategy for every PGA Tour event, and he expands the universe by bringing on entertaining and knowledgeable guests who can offer a different viewpoint of the game that we love. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, uh, there is a question here from Alex who's interested in thoughts on Taylor Pendrith. Uh, I, I, I will just say, Andy, you're not going to hear Pendrith's name come out of my mouth on this show because I've, I've got him, uh, I've got him higher than where we're going to get to, which is 41. I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite smitten with Pendrith. I think you're going to get a lot of good volume, uh, and he also, when he played last year, played really, really well. Uh, I'm with you just a sneak preview. I have him in the thirties. So yeah, you're, you're, I'm a hundred percent right there with you. He is a pretty dominant driver of the ball. Um, right. And, and I think once you start getting into the ins and outs and some of these players, one thing that I look for a lot is does this player have a bankable skill set that I can count on from week to week. And Pendrith has emerged immediately as one of the best drivers of the ball in the world. So yeah, more on Pendrith coming up later this week in my rankings of the thirties, 80 to 61. I take back what I said earlier, where I, I actually think this range is a lot of churn, right? Like we're still, yeah. we're still outside of the weekly starter. So you got to start six every week times eight, that's 48. So we, we are not, you know, if everyone played every single week, we are not there yet, but we're also not at the pure, flyers of live golfers or guys that might not have the status we want them to have or guys that are you know elite players from the past who might have struggled like Webb Simpson these are guys like JT Poston like Mackenzie Hughes like Justin Suh and it's like oh man there actually might be more question marks here in this range than the one we just did yeah this is a range of kind of, I know what I'm getting versus let me take a chance on somebody. Right. And so like, for example, I'm looking at my rankings right now. I have Will Gordon and Kevin Kisner right next to each other. Right. Those are at 64 and 65. Those are two 
pretty much diametrically opposed golfers, right? Will Gordon is this kind of big hitting young bomber that doesn't have a ton of experience, but he's shown some big time flashes, particularly most recently in the fall swing. And he's a guy that like seemingly has a ton of talent, but he hasn't really shown us it yet versus Kevin Kisner is we know exactly what we're getting from Kevin Kisner, which means that there are going to be certain events that he is going to be useless in like Torrey Pines. And there's going to be a couple times a year like the Sony open and the Wyndham where he's going to feel like a pretty good start. So for me, Rick, this range is basically balancing out that mix of like, okay, did I just take Justin saw maybe let me go somewhat more conservative and take yeah. JT Poston. Did I just take Kevin Kisner? Maybe let me go and take a chance on somebody like Will Gordon or Nick Hardy. So for me, this range is basically about kind of balancing the risk and reward. I'm glad you said that because that is what I've kind of been doing, right? So I've been obviously using the same rankings for all of my drafts. And I know just because of the nature of it, like, my rankings are vastly different than everybody else's. And I, and I think that's normal because everyone's going to have their own thing. There's not really a, an agreed upon system here. So I can basically get anybody that I want in a lot of these spots. And I, that's what I've been doing. Looking at the rest of my roster saying, okay, I've got a couple of safety guys. I've got a couple of guys with some really great course fits. Let me take a little bit more risk here or saying, okay, I have a lot of Will Gordon, which I do. Uh, let me go grab like, Mackenzie Hughes, or let me go grab Justin Suh just to kind of diversify a little bit. If I gave you, it's so interesting just running back through these, through this tier, the types of player. If I gave you Matt Kuchar, Denny McCarthy, Kevin Kisner, and Mackenzie Hughes, who are you taking out of that group? I like Hughes. Um, but my second, my second one would have been Denny. The, the yeah, I think I I think I'd go Denny, but it's close. The man. thing that Hughes has is he just won and he can play. He's he's going to be in everything. Great point. So Great point. Yeah. while Denny, like if they played against each other for a thousand holes, Denny might be better than Mackenzie Hughes. I don't know. Mackenzie Hughes had a pretty good fall, but he just won. So that's like that's access to a lot of stuff coming up. Right. Right. No, I I, I totally agree. If I gave you Taylor Moore, Justin Suh, Will Gordon. Who are you taking? Callum Taron. Uh, Will Gordon. Yeah. So, yeah, so here's, so here's, here's, uh, here's Gordon's so profile. He played seven times in the fall, which I think tied Taylor Montgomery for the most of any. Didn't miss a cut. Yeah. I mean, drives it well, clearly has found his game. I mean, he had, a, he also had a great corn fairy tour year as well. So, like, he's been playing really good golf for minimum six months, maybe longer. And I, I've ended like, here's another draft. This is a $400 draft. I took Will Gordon in the seventh round. So my first seven here were Finau, Cantlay, Montgomery, Davis, Cam Davis, Seamus, Hayden Buckley, Will Gordon. How many, how many teams in the league, Rick? Those are my guys. Uh, eight. Okay. So if you took him in the seventh round, you're talking, this is somewhere in the fifties. Correct. And I have him like 60th. So yeah, 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 that makes sense. We're close. I'm a little higher on him than you are. Um, Okay. So then, then, then you look at some of these other guys and a lot of them do end up being um, volume, right? So, so Mark Hubbard, who just had toe surgery, but I think he'll be back sooner. Like Troy Merritt, these are guys that you're, you're not going to play at Torrey. You're not going to play at any of these elevated events, but the other like 
16 event, the other 16 or whatever it is, non-elevated events. These are guys that um, are certainly capable of getting you like four, four days worth of points. Yeah. And I mean, one thing that I look at a lot, and I'm sure you've been looking at this a lot too, because you've been diving even closer into like fantasy points per start and stuff like that. But, you know, made cut percentage, top 25 percentage, like these are all things that I think are really valuable to look at when you're drafting. Because like, for example, there's certain players I'm trying to think of a good example off the top of my head, but there's certain players that like, will make 22 out of 26 cuts over the course of a season but we'll have four top 25s, right? And they they just get you points over the weekend, right? But they finish, it's a lot of T47. It's a lot of T37, right? And there's some players as well. I think Calum Terran's a good example of this too, where Calum Terran missed like, Kurt Kitayama is another good example of this, where Kurt Kitayama missed 50% of his cuts last year, Rick, but he had three chances where he could have, taken down John Rahm at the Mexico open, taken down Xander at the Genesis and taken down Rory at the CJ cup. And he's got these three big time top fives, right? But he's also missing 50% of his cuts. So one thing that I think is really important for you to look at, and I talk about this a lot in the rankings for every single player I'm giving you, okay, this is what this player did last season. This is how many cuts this player made. This is the amount of top 25s that this guy had. This is the amount of contending performances that this guy had. But one thing you really want to look at when you're in this middle tier is, okay, am I going to get a guy that's popping on occasion, or am I going to get a guy that is making a lot of weekends, but isn't really too often finishing towards the top of the leaderboard? Right. And having a good balance again, to go back to that, the B word balance has been, has been what I've been trying to achieve in a lot of these drafts. Okay. Um, we're going to roll on here. So we're going to go from 60 to 41. We are going to start to enter the like back end starter conversation yeah. if everybody were playing which is a little bit more exciting but i do want to point out one thing real quick um i've been playing on bro throw which is not a sports book it's just removes the middleman and just matches up people who want both sides of the bet we have another community brewing over here andy so we have a private group uh right here with like a hundred people in it already and there are currently 14 outstanding bets so let's see like uh, i don't know much about uh, any of these sports here. Oh, Andy W. I take a lot of, I take a lot of his bets. Uh, he wants the penguins minus minus one thirty, And there was another one I saw on here. Somebody might've snatched it up already. Okay. I'll take, I'll take this. Uh, Andy has thrown out, not our Andy, Andy W on bro <laughs> has thrown out a bet on this Mississippi state basketball game. He wants under one I'll take over. And there's no, there's no, there's no juice here. So it's just like straight up. And Andy, as you, as I'm sure, you know, like if you make a couple, like the juice is just eating into everything that you do. Right. Right. Which is kind of the beauty of bro throw, right? It is, it takes that tax that you're paying to the sports book that most people don't even think about, right? They're just like, Oh, I'm making a bet. What's the juice, right? Like it, it you're just kind of baked into it. But what bro throw does is it actually say it's so much easier to have a positive ROI on bro throw than it is betting against a sports book, right? Because you're not having to pay that tax. Yeah. If you make two bets, win one, lose one, uh, you'd be even. If you right. did that with a sports book, you'd be down. Right. Exactly. It's like the easiest, the easiest example. So, uh, we have this, 
this group going and we've got, I think we have a, a 97 people in it right now. Yeah. So I would love to get this to like, well, I'd love to get to like a thousand, but I'd love to get it to like 200 or 300 because I feel like that gives us an opportunity to get a bunch of different wagers out there. We can just kind of live within this ecosystem because you just settle up on Venmo or cash app. There's like a, a, a ledger that you just go through and you do it right through the app. So I'd love to just never have to leave our little ecosystem. And it would be like making bets with your friends, but it's 300 people from the Rick run good community. Yeah. And there is, they have an app, right? So it's, 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 it's technically an not an app. It's just a mo it's just a really good mobile website. So you don't have to actually oh, okay, download cool. anything. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, there's a link in the description. I think it's brothroad.com slash Rick. That's the invite. So it's invite only. So that's the invite to get into the group and it's not a sports book. So it's available in every single state and you do not need anything to sign up. So I don't know why you wouldn't sign up, get in the group, and then just wait for a bet that you like and accept it or start throwing out bets that you like. So literally no barrier to entry. A 60 to 41. This is interesting now. I've got some guys I want to ask you about in here. Let's let's go. Where do you want to start? So I basically just threw my hands up with this little group of Gary Woodland, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, Harris English. I'm pretty sure I just yeah. ranked them all next to each other. Can yeah. we talk about those guys, Rick? Am I too high? I, I literally did not know what to do with them, so I just put them all together. Of that group of Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, Harris English, Gary Woodland, I guess you can kind of throw Justin Rose in there yeah. too, who I have a little bit farther down. Like, Who are you most inclined to draft? Um. I would say I, I'm very intrigued with with uh, Harris English. Me too. Yeah. So yeah, there there's a lot there's a lot of okay, boy, and and this is such a great group and such a great conversation because Harris English. Let's look at Harris English, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler. Uh, all have spent time struggling. Why have they spent time struggling? Well, Harris English was injured and is seemingly, at least based on his stats and how often he's playing getting healthier, which is good, and getting back to 100%. Jason Day battled injury for a long time, and I think there is still kind of this idea that some of those injuries kind of linger and they're never going to go away. Some days they're just going to be better than others. And Ricky Fowler struggled because he lost his game yeah. and was never hurt and what tried swing changes and they didn't stick. And like that, that's the scariest one to me. Um, so I think English who, when he's going well, is a really well-rounded golfer. He gave us glimpses of him getting back towards that type of player in the fall. I think he's the one that I would buy on now. Then Jason Day, who was who honestly has been playing a lot better. Um, and then Ricky Fowler, man. Like, you're going to get a couple of good spots. You know, you're going to get the Amex. You're probably going to get Phoenix. You're going to get whatever. But, man, I I worry. I worry about Ricky. Well, that's the tricky thing is all of this, all of this kind of, all of them gave us just enough, this fall swing wreck, mm -hmm. right? Like Fowler had the runner up at the Zozo. And I think a sixth place at the Fortinet, Jason day had a couple top 15s. Harris English just started making cuts again, which is kind of like, that was enough for me to see because I just wanted to see him healthy. And the fact that he played six, seven times this fall swing and was actually making cuts like that was good enough for me. Um, I'm intrigued by Harris English as well, Rick. This is a guy that won twice in 2021 is still in the prime of his 
career at 33 years old. I mean, this is a guy, Rick, that finished back-to-back top fives in U.S. Opens at Wingfoot and Torrey Pines. Like, I think some people maybe think, oh, Harris English, he's just like a Sea Island guy that you're going to want to play at the Wyndham. No, like, Harris English is a real player that can compete at the Masters and like I said, finished back to back, back to back top fives in U.S. Open. So all three of those guys, like I don't think I'm ever going to have a team where I'm going to have all three of them or even two out of three of them on. I'm going to kind of see what the board does. I'm going to kind of let it come to me. If I had to make a guess, I'm curious to get your thoughts on it as well. If you had to try and get in the minds of other drafters, who do you think will be the earliest off the board of that group? For me, I think it would be Fowler, but I could be wrong. Uh, I'm looking at one draft here, uh, yeah. just the one in front of me. Jason Day went in the sixth round. Okay. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah, it's Rick, fair. Ricky went in the ninth. Mm. And English, Harris English went in the eighth round. Okay. Uh, I think Jason, so so I, I kind of glossed over his profile very, very quickly here. I'm going to bring it back up. But he he put together a really strong, I mean, this is four consecutive top 20s with the approach play and the really ball striking play. Yeah. being back. And I think people, when they're clicking through the site and, and going, oh man, like that, that's a very good look. Uh, so I think Jay day is catching some, some decent steam, not qualified for any of the majors though. Right. I think that would be kind of, cause he's, he's 112th in the official world golf rankings and they don't have it totally out yet. Cause I've been using a couple of different sites to kind of see whether guys are qualified yet. And I don't believe that he is, I, he's got some work to do. I, I believe so. Um, but yeah, yeah, that would be, but I also, I don't know if any of those guys like Fowler fell out of the top 100 as well. I think Harris English is just outside of the top 50. So actually English, I think has the best shot as it stands now. And he's in us opens. Right. Or you got to find somebody I'm trying, I'm just kind of scrolling through some of your rankings to see if anybody would have, I mean, like you have some, you have guys who won, who will get into like the masters, right? So like right. Sepp Straka might be someone that you draft in this range. JJ spawn. JJ, right. Like these little, like, Oh, you're going to get like an extra, uh, extra start or two from, from these guys is kind of interesting. Um, the one name that I thought, okay. Cause you and I have them ranked almost identically. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we're two spots apart or maybe one spot. Thomas Dietrich. Yeah. And I think he might be, he's a really good case study for these guys who have like the one year of status and they're going to have to earn it again this year. And he is not opposed to playing a lot of golf. Now I'm assuming once we get into the new year, he's going to focus a lot more on, the PGA tour. Cause he spent a couple of uh, European starts in the fall uh, on the DP world tour, but like he plays a lot. He's got a bunch of top 15 finishes and he's going to need to go out and earn that top 70. Yeah. And he is like, I was looking at him too, Rick. And this is a guy that, yeah, he's going to play sometimes on the European tour, but he's going to get you minimum. I think he played 18, almost 20 times on the PGA tour last year. And I would expect if anything, that number will go up a little bit too. Yeah, I think so, it has to. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, 
again, we talk about bankable skill sets, Rick. Like this is a guy that has proven that he is one of the better drivers of the ball in the world. I mean, this is a guy that can be dominant off the tee. He finished 10th at the Genesis Scottish Open, 34th at St. Andrews. Like these are wide open driver heavy courses. And he was good this fall swing too. Like he finished runner up at the Bermuda as well. So I think Dietrich, like I am looking for Dietrich. Dietrich is the type of guy that once I get into the third, fourth, fifth rounds, like he's a player that I'm actively seeking. Um, I feel pretty good about the 41. Like I would be very happy to snatch him up at 41. Two more guys uh, that I want to bring up real quick, because you can basically get them wherever you want. Um, one is Alex Smalley and mm. one is Adam Svensson. Svensson, and I don't know if people uh, realize this or not. So there were, hold on, I want to get this number right. There were two golfers last year, last season, from the Sony to the BMW Championship qualifying starts that averaged uh, at least 61 fantasy points, which would be about 35th on tour, about 35th. Mm-hmm. And made 22 or more starts. Uh, one was Sahith, who yeah. was like the king of volume and scored more fantasy points in aggregate than anybody else. And the other was Adam Svensson. And that does not even include, Andy, his victory that he just had this fall. That right. that doesn't include it because this would have ended at the BMW Championship. So um, Svenny, I think, st- sitting out there like might be a really good fantasy option. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I probably have him too low in the mid fifties, to be honest with you. I was so, I mean, this was a guy, Rick, that I was so, and this is kind of the beauty of fantasy golf, right? Is I was betting Svensson pretty much every single week until he won. And again, like that, again, that is in some ways the beauty of fantasy golf is like, you can be a macro buyer on a guy without feeling like you need to bet him every yes. single week yes. to get Thank rewarded you. for, yes. for <laughs> what he does. Because my, I pretty my much Aaron, bet the guy. My Aaron Wise outright tickets. Thank you. I will just draft <laughs> him in like every league. I don't need to bet him every week. Because yeah, that's exactly what happened for me with Svensson where I was betting him every week and then I just forgot one week and that's when he ended up winning. But yeah, both of these guys, I'm big time macro buyers on both of them. Like I think Smalley's a really, really talented player. This is a guy that has gotten some pretty invaluable reps wreck in his rookie season. He's had a couple like true, true contending performances, whether it be at the Genesis or I think Puerto Rico, Mexico was another one of these. Um, And I don't think Alex Smalley is going to be like a superstar by any means, but if you look at his statistical profile, can he be a poor man's Patrick Cantlay? Like, yeah, he can. He doesn't really have too many weaknesses. He does a lot of things really, really well. He's going to give you 25 starts a season, right? And he is going to make... 18 to 20 cuts. Right. So I think like if you're looking at guys in the 50 range, you're going to be hard. Like there's kind of these two categories, Rick, because like once we start getting into the thirties, once you start getting into the thirties, you're talking about guys that are going to be qualified for majors and for elevated events. Right. When you're still in the fifties, you're talking about guys that are really good draft picks, but aren't necessarily qualified for the majors aren't necessarily qualified for the elevated events. If we're talking guys that are like really good draft picks that are right on the bubble of their not elevated event yet, guys like you'd be hard pressed to do better than guys like Alex Smalley. 
I think Smalley's a weak winner. Like he's a guy who wins you. Yeah. Weeks. So, so you look at this. Yeah. He's going to miss cuts, but when he makes cuts, he plays well. So if he misses a cut and you drafted him in like the sixth or seventh round, it's like, okay, well that that's not huge, but when he makes a cut, so here's, here's just some of the results and these are all in order. T six miscut T 27 miscut T 21 miscut 16th, 10th miscut 13th miscut. That's that's from Mexico to FedEx St. Jude. Then this fall, he finished the fall T11, T4, T5. Yeah. Like, th- I mean, this is, these are a lot of um, finishes above his ADP is almost yeah. how I, almost how I want to say it, right? Like you might look at a T25 at the Zozo and say, that's not that good. But when you start looking at his ADP, what you gave up for him, who else was in that field? Like he, I actually honestly believe Alex Smalley is winning you weeks because of where he's being drafted and the fantasy points he's putting up. Yeah. A hundred percent agreed. And he's not a household name yet. This is not a guy that I think is going to be flying off the board. He's not, you know, some fantasy darling that I think a lot of people are totally in tune with his game. I think he's going to be a guy that, again, we're going to be able to get him where we want, maybe not in our leagues, but you know, we're going to, he's, I expect him to be there in the fifth, sixth round. So yeah, he's another guy that I'm like specifically targeting for next season. Okay. That is, uh, essentially as much as I'm willing to give up here. So you can go read it. You can go read Andy's articles where he literally, I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing of beauty. He's got the good, the bad on everybody. He's got stats. He's got, it's actually insane. Uh, how many words all of these are. And there's, they're broken up right now into three different articles on rickrungood.com. But is there any thoughts, players, strat? Is there anything else we need to hit on this section of the rankings before we come back next week and do 40 to one? I don't think so. I mean, again, always feel free to hit me up for questions about certain players. I'm happy to answer questions. That's going to be a part of it throughout the year, hopefully, right? Is we're going to be able to create content around this from week to week. And who knows, maybe I'll be doing weekly rankings and right and start sick questions and stuff like that. I think the whole idea of why we were so bullish on this idea is it can really turn into this communal experience Right. And I think that's part of the reasons why fantasy football has been able to create this giant ecosystem is because like nobody cares about your fantasy team, but everybody cares about your fantasy team. Right. Like nobody cares about your fantasy team, but everybody cares about their fantasy team. Right. Right. And it's like it suddenly turns into this like community where everyone's kind of bonding over the same thing. So, no, I'm super super excited for it we're we're counting down the days until our specific draft and uh excited to have the rest of the rankings up soon too all right rickrungood.com is where you can find uh andy's articles you can also find him on twitter at adp lack sports you can find me at rick rungood this has been your rankings debate 100 to 41 we'll come back next week 40 to 1 best of luck talk to you soon